If your job is on life support, you need the job doctor. My brain is a walking database of thousands of case studies on how careers rise and fall. I'll help you diagnose what's really going on. It's the guidance you need to get back on track from someone who's been there. You can make the money you always wanted to make, doing the type of work you have always wanted to do. You may just need a little help from the job doctor. Hello, everybody. The job doctor is in today, and today we hope to be talking about early career and how you get ahead, and And we have our first caller on the line. It's Aubrey. Hi, Tessa. It's so good to talk with you. Um, I'm Aubrey, by the way. Um, I'm I'm 23. I'm currently an intern right now at a PR firm. And I'm I'm really excited to talk to you about some questions that I have. Great. So PR firm, first job? First internship, yes. Okay. Are you graduated yet from college or is this post-graduation? No, I'm not. So I have a year left at Utah Valley University. Okay. One year to go. Love it. All right. What is your question today? So my question is, so I'm at my internship right now. I'm really liking it. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure if I'm going to accept a full-time offer. If they do offer it to me, I just feel like I kind of might want to venture out to other companies to see mm-hmm. like what, I, what else I like. Um, but what I want to ask you is about like just experience and like also like my resume. So what, as someone who is very experienced in this realm, what is the number one thing that you look for? when you are looking at new hires on our resume when it comes to experience? Oh, okay. Good question. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna tailor that to what I look for on a resume of a new graduate, given where you're at. Yes. I look at a couple of things. One, I want to see, is your field of study relevant to mine? And so you should be putting on your resume and leading with your education and putting some classes, some of the senior classes that you took that are really relevant or very specific to this job itself. I don't want to know the the basic ones, but the higher level ones that seem to hit the mark. The other thing I want to know is your GPA, if it's good. If it's bad, I don't want to see it. And I also want to see if you've been involved in student government or any kind of activities, because it gives me some clues as to the kind of person that you are. Uh, The Mm -hmm. next thing I would go to is internships, which is what you're doing right now. And Mm -hmm. here's the mistake that I see on these first-time resumes. They describe the job they did, like a job description, but they don't tell me the outcomes they got. And your opportunity in Mm -hmm. that first resume is to be able to describe outcomes you got as an intern, because that's really powerful to say, I'm an intern, I was hired to come into this company, and here are some of the ways the company's better as a result of me being there. Rather than just, I filed notes, I got back with clients, I secured press releases, which just sounds like a job description. So when you Mm -hmm. think about your resume, the first most important part is that first, that top third of your resume. That top third should be everything. And before you even start with the education that you have, you need your value proposition. And a value proposition is basically, why would you company want to hire me? What is my sweet spot and what do I do well? So for me, mm. so for, for you, let's just play around with that for a minute. What would you say just off the top of your head? What is the reason somebody should hire you? What are you best at? What's your secret sauce? I feel like I'm a great communicator. I'm really good at negotiating and also compromising. Okay. Like I feel like I'm very good with, you know, like being in a meeting and, you know, communicating at with, you know, what I'm working on, like what I need help with. I'm, I'm not afraid to ask for help. I'm not afraid to work with other people and ask for their input. 
I feel like I'm really outgoing. I feel like I'm really personable. I, you know, I feel like I, I work really hard. I'm, I'm, I'm good at picking up new things and just rolling with it. Okay. Now you just said something really important. When you position yourself in your resume as I'm somebody who learns things quickly, that's great, right? That's good. But we're trying to get from good to better to best. Better would be, I'm really good at picking up new things because I have done this in this project or in this school assignment or in this internship. And it's even better. The best answer is to say, here's the problem it can solve for you. So I'm good at this because I got outcomes here and here is how it will serve you. So a real value proposition would be around just that one thing, just to give you an example, is I'm the person that you would hire if you are a small to mid-sized company that doesn't have a lot of, you know, documentation processes nailed down that wants to hire somebody that doesn't need a lot of guidance that can put infrastructure in place to make everything work better, processes work better. Then I'm listening as a company. I'm like, that's me. I'm that company. Then you can say, I did it by blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, you've made it believable. You've not only told them where you're optimally placed, but you've told them a fact that makes you believable. And that's really all we're trying to do in a resume, right? Is make them believe that what you say is what you can do. So those are some quick tips to make your resume really sing as you try and put together that first one. The last thing I would add is you'll have room on your resume because you don't have a lot of job experience that's relevant yet. I like to put a LinkedIn-style recommendation at the bottom of the resume. I think it supersedes so many other things. Like, don't put interests. That's stupid, right? Put, put a LinkedIn profile that's like a two-sentence recommendation from some internship you've done or somebody you've worked with or a professor that's seen your work that speaks to what you do well. Because nobody does it, and it, again, gives a proof point. doesn't take up a lot of time on your resume. And given two candidates that are about the same, If I have a proof point that this one, somebody was really recommending, I'm going to take that one, but I'm not going to take the time to find out your phone numbers and call both of them. So you just may have Mm -hmm. gotten yourself the edge. So that's that's another tip. That's a good idea. Never heard of that before. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to take up too much space, but you know, you can do, you can do one or two of those on a resume really easy if you're a new graduate. I noticed that you said, Aubrey, something that I want to ask you about. You said you weren't sure if this is the job that you wanted to be in long term. And I want to hear more about that. Okay. So with this company I'm at right now, I do I do like working for them. However, I feel like I would they're a small company. I honestly feel like I would be I I would be better at a bigger company. And so how do I find like how how do I find a company that I feel like would be a good fit for me? Great question. There's advantages to being a small company and advantages to a large company. And I want to describe both. I'm glad you're in a small company right now as an internship. And this is why. Small company personality is that you get to wear lots of hats. The little things you do can make a huge difference and be very measurable on a resume. And because you get to do a lot of things and, and play a lot of roles in a small company, you understand how a big company works because you've seen it in a kind of microcosm in the small company. So that's a really positive thing. That's what I did with my career. I started small, but I got to work on the board of directors. Small company, right? You can do that. Then I could move to a Fortune 50 company, and I kind of knew how board of directors worked, kind of knew how stock options worked, kind of knew how departments 
work together to get something done. So I love that you're there right now. There's a couple of things that I would factor in before I move to a big company. One is when you go to a big company, their personality is they go really niche. They go very narrow in the responsibilities that you have, but they're usually really tied off and there's a lot of process to how you do them. You're not going to walk into a sink or swim kind of situation. And that's good and bad. The other thing that they do is all the decisions seem to be made by committee. You have to involve so many people. Not good, not bad. It just is what it is for a large company. The name recognition is also super great for a large company. So there's, there's pros and cons there. If you're given the choice between a sink or swim company where you're not given a lot of training, you have to figure things out, does that energize you? Or does it energize you to be in a company where there is quite a bit of structure around the job description and processes already built that you have to follow around how to do that job? Which of those two energizes you the most? I definitely think the second option, like when there's a lot of, you know, information around the job description, Mm -hmm. because actually right now, I feel like I am kind of in somewhat of a sink or swim position. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's not a lot of, I don't really have like a job description. I kind of do whatever people tell me to do. Uh And, um, which as an intern, I feel like that's somewhat, I think that that's somewhat good, Mm -hmm. but, um, I just feel like, I definitely am the kind of person that like needs to know exactly what I need to do. So I don't miss anything. And so I don't, I'm not confused. Know thyself. Okay. You gave some really important clues and you should be gravitating towards your natural state as your mm-hmm. first job. And if your natural state says, I'm more comfortable for a while having somebody define how it works for me so I can see what, you know, a good company looks like, you should go there next. You should go to a company that can teach you that kind of structure. So I would really recommend you trying to do that. And you're in PR, right? Yes. Okay. So I have a company that I really like for you. And I'm going to stay in touch with you. I'll give you the name of that company afterwards. But I have a company that I think you'd like that, that can do that for you in Utah. Now, the other thing I want you to do is how, how much longer are you doing this internship? I'm doing the internship until the end of August. End of August. Okay. There's a lot of power in getting clear on what you're going to fix, change, or get marked off, projects you're going to get marked off. I want you to come to work every single day thinking, what is the thing I can accomplish because it's going to be used as a resume bullet point for me. Accomplishments and outcomes are resume bullet points. So instead of just doing what everybody tells you to do, you still have to, you know, you can't ignore that. But what I'd like you to do, you should get to a point here fairly soon. You can say, what's broken? What's not working the way that it needs to? And what can I bite off to fix part of that problem? And I want you to start fixing it. I call it playing in the gap. If you, if you follow me, you'll know that playing in the gap, there's all kinds of ways you play in the gap. Playing in the gap is essentially not focusing on your job description because that's kind of useless and focusing yeah. on how you make the company become what it wants to become and fix those holes or gaps that prevent it from being everything it wants to be. So can you think of something in your current company that's broken that is within your grasp that you might be able to fix, a process that you might be able to improve on, or you know something where there's a lot of holes in it? Hmm. Yeah, I honestly feel like the communication is not great. I feel like there are times, um, even in, like, we have a meeting once a week with the whole staff, mm-hmm. and um, I just feel like the communication, especially between um, the full-time employees and the interns are not great. I feel like 
they like check in on us and they're like, Hey, like, how's everything going? But like, at the same time, I feel like the work that we're doing isn't really being looked at. Uh, and, and so, yeah. Yeah. And so I just feel like because of that, like one, the communication isn't great at the same time. Like I, I feel like I'm working hard, but at the same time, I don't feel like the work that I've been doing up until this point has really been crucial. Yeah. And that happens with interns a lot. You just kind of get the shiz that runs downhill, right? You get whatever the odds and ends are. And your job is to turn it into something that feels like it has some structure to it. So that's a good place to start. If that's broken, here's a couple of ideas for you. First, is anybody actually capturing, uh, is is there like a meeting template that captures the action items and who does what? If not, you could create one and recommend that they use that. Uh, is there a follow-up process to make sure people are doing the things they've committed to do, especially as it relates to the oversight that's needed to look at the things you interns are doing that play into the bigger, dovetail into the bigger projects? Uh, or is there something else that you could do to make that meeting or the work that's done thereafter kind of tie it off nicely with a bow? Think about that. You may not have the answer today, but think about what you could do or recommend or put in place that could be useful or helpful for the team so that they are communicating better and you're taking away some of that that natural friction or kind of falling through the cracks that exists. Yeah, I definitely have a few ideas. And for our weekly staff meetings, I feel like it would be a lot more beneficial because our staff, our last staff meeting was over an hour. We're going over all of the different accounts that we have. We don't have, we don't, we don't have too many accounts, which is fine. But um, I feel like if there was like more of a template and like who was going to report on what, because there's multiple people on each account. Sure. Right. Um, And so I just feel like sometimes, you know, someone would say something about um, a client and then I feel like, I don't know, like, I just feel like maybe I just like sometimes like we're not all on the same page about that. Mm -hmm. It just goes into the ether sphere sometimes. Yeah, I feel like a template would actually be like pretty crucial because I feel like we don't have like some more. Yeah. If we have a template, I haven't seen it. Um, a, 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 you know, meeting template would be good for that. But yeah. So one more thing to think of, and then we'll move on to the next uh, question. But is consider anytime you can use data or numbers, anything that's that that's the language of business, right? Is numbers. They don't live mm-hmm. in soft, fluffy land. They live in numbers. If you can put together a scorecard. I could call it a scorecard or just a, even a weekly, something that looks the same every week. You know, it could have all of the clients that you talk about and something as simple as a red, yellow, green, and who's in charge of which thing. And just a high level kind of something that visually you can look at with some data to say, this is 75% done. This is a hundred percent done. This is, this is stalling out. Anything that you can look at that people get used to seeing the same way every single time, every single week, those kinds of things, they really begin to live in a company. So, so think mm-hmm. about a scorecard type of approach to the way that you capture those meetings. So just a thought there. Um, so you're going to leave, right? You're probably going to leave to a different company. What other questions do you have about when and how you do that? Yeah, you know, I just... I just feel like I just don't really know like where else to apply. I have one other, I have one other company in mind that's over in DC that I want to apply to because I think something else that I'm looking into doing is public affairs. Nice. Um, over in DC. So I'm, I, my, one of my dad's best friends 
um, is the chief of staff over there. And so he recommended to me last time I was in Calma, I apply. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. But the thing is, is like, I don't really have any public affairs experience, nor have I been learning a ton about public affairs in what I'm learning at school. So uh-huh. that's like the one thing I'm worried about. It's the, there's a couple of things I want to touch on here. Yes, you will not have the specific experience because, right, you're just out of school and you won't necessarily have taken that class, but every single person can go online. You can look on LinkedIn. That's probably a good place to start. You can even Google. Um, If you were going to take a corporate affairs job, I would Google corporate affairs jobs and training around corporate affairs, regulatory uh, affairs training. And you are going to find that there are some courses you can take that take maybe an hour, maybe four hours, maybe two days. But you can take courses and every one of those needs to go on your resume as current skills and certifications near the bottom of your resume. Because all of a sudden, you're building the kind of resume that shows, ah, she may not be, she may not have worked in this job, but she knows what she's doing and she has some of the right things on your resume. It will also get you through the ATS or the applicant tracking system when you apply for jobs because it's going to pick up those keywords. So reverse engineer your resume to the jobs you're seeking. Customize each resume you send in to the job you want. Take a few of those courses. It will make you look maybe 25%, maybe 30% more qualified just by taking some of those courses and taking a weekend to get that done. Um, The other thing I wanted to to bring up because you're not sure where you want to go, let's just talk about careers in PR and different places you can go with your expertise. So regulatory or corporate affairs is one. Tell me, are there any other areas that you seem to have an inclination towards? And let's talk about the different career paths and what they're likely to pay. Mm-hmm. I feel like something that I'm really good at is media pitches. Right. Um, I feel like I media pitches like are fun for me. I enjoy doing them. I enjoy, you know, I think I really would enjoy working with journalists and other, or even like, you know, producers, people like that um, to, you know, get some of my clients, um, some, um, good screen time or good, um, good press. Okay, great. Then here's, here's a couple of things to consider. If you go into an agency as your next step, agencies are a slog and they're hard work, but who to do that, but the young, right? And they will pay much better. The pay right now is really good in agencies and you could do media pitches all day long. And, you know, find clients, uh, write articles, and your compensation is going to rise much more quickly than it will in a corporate environment. So that's number one. Number two, you could go into a corporate PR type of role. So that's available to you as well. But you could also move into marketing and social media. HR is hiring for that and starting to understand the value of social media and marketing within the recruiting realm. Um, Sales Mm -hmm. is needing to do that as well. And sales enablement roles would have some real interest in somebody who could create a strategy around PR uh, for sales. You know, how do I pitch to the client? So that's another role you might want to consider. Lastly, this whole idea of uh, working to have government relations or uh, regulatory people that are in your back pocket in companies. Like I worked at Vivint Solar and those roles pay very well. And you're pressing the flesh, you're meeting the governor, you're you know, you're, you're visiting with people that are really important and that's a good role long-term because it's going to introduce you to the next people who get you jobs at pretty high levels in companies. So think about that long-term, but all in all, 
Um, if you go the, the agency route, expect that you will make more money faster and you will be able to hit the 100K mark much quicker than you will in most of these other areas. Mm, good to know. Thank yeah, you. You bet. Well, um, we're out of time for this session, but I do want to just summarize for those listening about Aubrey. We talked a lot about resumes and about the importance of having your value proposition, meaning who would hire me and then giving them proof points. How do I know that I'm good at this particular thing? And how will I use it in your company as kind of the, the first thing that people see on the resume? And secondly, making sure that first third of your resume Everything about it is a proof point for that particular job description that you can do that job description and making sure that your bullet points are not the job description itself, but outcomes that you've gotten. And lastly, we talked a lot about the difference between small company and big company and what you get with both. And so, uh, Aubrey, we wish you the best in your career success and would love to talk to you and have you check in again once you've landed your big first job and uh, see what you decided. Oh, thank you so much. This has been like, seriously, so extremely helpful. Like, I just feel like I kind of know more what I want to do now and kind of, you know, the path I want to take and kind of what I need to fix. Fantastic. Thank you so much, everybody. Job doctor checking out for now. If you like my podcast, you will absolutely love my book. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success, Navigating Pay, Promotions, and Power at Work. I wrote it because I could see that people didn't understand why some people got ahead and some people's careers stayed stagnant. So if you're interested in building a more frictionless career path for yourself and having a better experience with work, this is a book that you need to have. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success. You can buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or go to my website at thejobdoctor.com.